Hi everyone, and welcome back to our next episode of Counting Sheepa. It's the podcast for our company, Agnomi, and I am really excited to have our listeners back that listened to our initial inaugural episode. And our second episode is another great, great episode. We, we're super lucky to have Greg Ross, who is the chief operating officer of Agnomi. But, you know, the story is interesting and you're thinking, okay, so we have a chief operating officer on a podcast to talk about sleep apnea. And the reason we do is because, well, you know what? I'm going to let Greg tell that story. But I'm going to tell you how Greg got to this point. So when I started uh, Agnomi, or the idea came to me to try to open up the access of diagnosis and treatment to sleep apnea, I talked to a lot of people and they love what we were doing, but they said to me, you know what, Dan, you're, you're a good doctor. You have a great practice, but you know, there's a lot that you need when you want us to launch a company like this. And they talked about it in types of condiments, right? So when you have salt, you have to have pepper. When you have tomato, you have to have ketchup. So this this great mentor, his name's Jack Greco, said to me, he says, you know, Dan, you really need some pepper to your salt. And I think he saw the gray hair on my beard. That's why he called me salt. But, you know, he says, you really have to find that pepper. And, and I'm like, you're absolutely right. I really don't know software very well. I don't know, um, you know, that whole part of, the business of software. So I looked around and I, I didn't stumble upon Greg. He was referred to me, he came back to Buffalo. He'll get, he'll tell you this part of the story, but long story short, you know, Greg and I joined hands, joined in partnership, and uh, he became uh, co-founder of, of Agnomi. And we're so happy to have him here. And I'm excited for him to tell you this story of how he wound up on this podcast. So again, Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to our listeners who listened to our first episode, and I hope you'll continue to listen with us as our podcasts go forward. So welcome, Greg. Thanks for taking the time and talking to us today. No, thank you, Dan. Uh, happy to be here. And yeah, it, it was funny. I, you know, I had this background in tech for a long time and, uh, you know, he had come from a, a leadership role at Hewlett Packard Enterprise and been associated with some other software startups. And uh, my brother-in-law actually suffered from sleep apnea. So I was you know, somewhat familiar with it. And I saw what it did to his life and his quality of life until he got treated. So I'm like, yeah, this is really cool. I love this. We're taking the friction out of the process of, of getting people diagnosed and treated. You don't have to go to a sleep lab anymore, which I know is a big hesitation for a lot of people. Uh, but here I was struggling with sleep for 12, 13 years, if not longer. And I still never associated the fact that I may have sleep apnea. You know, I had, I had these symptoms where I'd wake up tired. I was get up, go to the bathroom in the, every night. And, you know, there's times I'd wake up hot. And again, just never really associating that with sleep apnea. Uh, and then one day, I'm, I think we had a four o'clock call uh, together, Dan and I, and to review something. And you know, he sees me drinking a coffee. And he's like, is that coffee in there? I said, yeah. Just, you know, I'm feeling a little sluggish, a little tired. And he's like, oh, tell, tell me a little more. Are you, are you not sleeping? Well, he goes through, he does, he puts his Dr. Rifkin hat on and starts asking me questions and said, you know, you might, you, you might want to just get a test, get a home sleep test and, and, and see if you, you know, rule it out. You, you may have it. And, uh, and I still kind of, I put it off. I dragged my feet. I'm like, there's no way I have sleep apnea. Like, there's just, there's no way, you know, I like, I don't think I snore, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I went through the process that a, a patient of ours would go through got the home sleep test and um, hooked it up really easy, had it on for a night, sent it back to Agnomi and 
And Dr. Rifkin did his diagnosis and ultimately came back that I, I do suffer from sleep apnea. It was, um, <laughs> I think I told him before, right before you gave me that diagnosis, that I, I said, I actually hope that I do have it because it would explain a lot. I was actually very tired the day that he told me. So I was so relieved to hear that I did because now at least I know the path forward to better sleep and a better quality of life, not waking up tired every day and running out of energy in the afternoon and drinking six cups of coffee a day. So thank you. You know, it's, it's funny how things work out, but I'm, I'm glad that I ended up here at Agnomi originally for the business side, but had we not gotten connected, I probably would have suffered who knows how many more years before I ever got diagnosed because I wouldn't have gone to a, a, a brick and mortar sleep center. I know myself. I'm the knucklehead guy that just won't take enough time out to ensure that they're paying attention to their health. So thank mm -hmm. you for that. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's, and, and you're not alone. I mean, as you know, Greg, and we talked about this, you know, sleep apnea is a very common disorder. I mean, there are over 25 million adult Americans that suffer from it, more than a billion people worldwide that suffer from it. And more than 80% of them, at least in the U.S., uh, remain undiagnosed. And so it's just something that we're, we're still missing. And if you take like 100 men your age off the street and you do a sleep study on them, close to 10 to 15% will show some sleep apnea. And, you know, whether they're all clinically significant, you know, we're still learning in the field whether it's important to address, but just some of the symptoms that you described, right? So you weren't like gasping or choking at night, snoring super loud. You, you weren't, again, that typical patient that most doctors think should have sleep apnea. And this is something that we've been trying for probably more than a decade to get doctors to overlook because the original patients with obstructive sleep apnea were, uh, there's this thing called the Pickwickian syndrome. Remember uh, Charles Dickens and the Pickwickian stories, the the blue bloater boy, you know the, and he, you know, if they're they're typically obese, big necks, uh, kind of a dusky look to them. You know, th these were the initial patients with obstructive sleep apnea, and before CPAP and before treatments, you'd actually have to do a tracheostomy. You'd have to open up the airway, you know, to to get patients diagnosed. So for years. You know, we were just diagnosing sleep apnea in patients with just very severe clinical sleep apnea, when in fact we found even people with very mild sleep apnea can have tremendous clinical presentations, can have just all the things that you described, you know, just feeling tired, just that simple fact, like I just slept eight hours, why am I waking up feeling I just got hit over the head with a baseball bat? You know, why am I waking up sometimes with headaches? you know, all those different types of, of things. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that we did connect, you know, obviously from the business side, but I'm glad you're, you're starting this journey. Now, now, when you first started hearing about sleep apnea, I mean, this is probably, uh, I don't know, serendipitous that you joined Agnomi, and I'm, and I'm glad you did. But what was it about our story or our mission that kind of got you interested in, in joining us? Well, you know, I... I knew having suffered from sleep problems for so many years myself, I knew that you know, how, how much it affected my life and how much it affects people's lives. And uh, specifically with sleep apnea, like I mentioned my brother-in-law suffered from it and um, I saw what it did to him. And he was very, you know, it, it just, it affected every, every aspect of his life. And, and I, I've known other people that have it too. So knowing how much you know, sleep affected me, even though I didn't think I had sleep apnea, I'm like, wow, this can really make a difference in people's lives. And the fact 
you know, I, being in tech for as long as I have, I, I've been very aware of taking the friction out of the process, making it easy for a customer to consume a product or service. Just you help influence change and in, in, in adoption so much more quickly. And what we were doing with Agnomi was exactly that. We were taking the friction out of people getting diagnosed and treated. Uh, and no offense to you, Dan, I know you had brick and mortar sleep centers for, for years, um, but there, you know, almost everyone I've talked to who friends of mine who, uh, who suspected that they had it, they're like, yeah, I just, I'm not going to go to a sleep center though. I don't want to spend a night there. It's, I've, I've heard horror stories. I'm not in my own bed. There's lights on. There's people coming and checking it. You got all sorts of stuff hooked up, like glued to your hair. You know, I thought this was so great that here we have a very simple way for people to stay in their own beds. They don't have to leave their house. Uh, they don't have to even leave the house for the initial consult. This is all happening from the comfort of their own home, uh, which, you know, for a lot of people that either didn't want to take the time to do it or weren't, didn't have access to care anywhere near where they lived. I, I just thought it was, a, it was such a meaningful mission that we had. So... That, that was really the reasons that I jumped yeah. in with both feet. I'm going to put you on the spot. Can you can you tell us what that home sleep test was like? Like, so what did you have to do? Like, how did you receive it? How did you put it on? I mean, were, was it difficult? Was it hard? Like, what if you, uh, like, I know you're a you're a software guru. What if what if someone who isn't that technically savvy or a boomer like me, you know, is is it easy to, it, to do? It was uh, it was one of the easiest things I've ever done. I mean, literally. I, you know, got the package, received, received it at my house through the mail. You open it up. It's this device. There's instructions there. It's like three steps, right? You, you hook this device up around your chest. And it's like this little mini computer that monitors, you know, this is my uneducated way of describing this to the, to the average person, that it's got an oximeter connected to it that you hook up to your finger, a little cannula that barely goes into your nose to help you detect breathing, and this device that's monitoring a, a variety of different things, including whether I'm sleeping on my back or on my side, what my action levels are. Uh, and you could obviously do a much better job of explaining what's going on there. But to me, it was just the experience was really easy. I actually had my dog next to me in my bed when, when I was doing the test and he didn't bother me. Uh, I was able, you know, I rolled around uh, throughout the night. It didn't fall off. And, you know, was, I just had to click a button when I woke up in the morning when I was taking the, uh, the HST off and put it back in the package and sent it back to Agnomi and didn't think about it again until, until I got my diagnosis. So when you finally nudged me, because for whatever reason, mentally, I was delaying doing the, the home sleep test. But when you finally nudged me enough on, on a early morning uh, stand-up call, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to do it this weekend. And uh, it, it really was. It was so easy. Yeah. And, so and it is. I mean, and I think you described it perfectly. And a lot of patients will ask me, well, you're doing these studies in a sleep laboratory, having 30 electrodes attached to the body and monitoring all these aspects. How does this simple home unit, uh, you know, diagnose sleep apnea? And again, what I try to explain to patients is that, you know, this is an FDA approved device. It's been validated as a diagnostic tool in the, for sleep apnea, but like any test, you know, it has to be interpreted properly by a trained physician or a trained provider because sometimes the data that it gives us isn't really fitting for the diagnosis or it does it can underestimate the presence of sleep apnea like one of the things that this device does it measures the apnea events which again sleep apnea is when your throat collapses down and and you're not getting enough air and each one of these events is is a 10 second long duration event sometimes these events are subtle and they can't always be picked up by the home test 
And sometimes we do have to do in-lab testing, but very rarely, right? So if a patient presents to me, like Greg, and you have this high pretest probability of having sleep apnea, that home test is very good at making the diagnosis. And if, and if it doesn't, let's say your test came back negative, Greg, we'd go over your history a little bit more. I'd, I'd make sure that my suspicion was correct and maybe we'd have to do further testing, right? Because even mild sleep apnea or subtle sleep apnea can have just awful effects on a patient, on a daytime, on your daytime functioning, on your ability to interact with your family, on your, your ability to perform well at your job. And, and this is even in the setting of mild sleep apnea. And they've shown this. There have been studies out there. There was one great study done at the University of Michigan many years ago by another one of my mentors, Dr. Ron Chervin. And, and he, he actually did a test where we can tell when patients are sleepy. There's actually an objective way. It's called the multiple sleep latency test. It's a way to tell if someone is sleepy. It's a series of naps. We look at sleep staging and we look at how quickly people fall asleep or go into certain sleep stages. And we can actually objectify how sleepy you are. And he actually correlated that with severity of sleep apnea based on the number of times that that throat collapsed during the night. And there was no best fit line. It was like a snowstorm on a graph. I'm sure you've heard of these where there's no best correlation line because even people with very mild sleep apnea were extremely sleepy. And people with severe sleep apnea were not that sleepy. So there are different ways of sleep apnea to present. They call that a phenotype or a presentation of an illness. And we've learned over the years that there are many different presentations of obstructive sleep apnea. Some of them will present like Greg, where it's more the daytime tiredness, feeling of non-restored sleep, um, some subtle findings of functioning. And then there are other patients that will present with heart disease even, or they've had a stroke and then they've had sleep apnea, but they've never complained of being tired or maybe high blood pressure or something like that. So there's different ways that this can present. And that's why it's really important that you're not going out trying to diagnose it by yourself, you know, to, to, to use uh, a professional like a, a doctor or a nurse practitioner, physician assistant, you know, someone who's trained in sleep apnea. And, and that's where Agnomi comes in, right? So Agnomi is a doctor's office in a box, but that box happens to be in your hand. It's a phone. And, and it's really neat how we've been able to create this virtual practice that can take a patient through the entire life cycle of diagnosis through treatment all through their phone. Um, or their tablet. We've made it really convenient and really easy for patients to do that. So, you know, keeping along with, with your story, Greg, like what do you expect to get out of treatment? I know you're just about starting. So, so what are some of the things you want to see change when, when we get you treated? So, yeah, yeah Dan, I mean, the, what I'm really hoping to get out of this is I want to wake up and start my day and not feel so tired. That's all I could think about because it just, it affects everything that I do. I want to be able to you know, not have to drink five cups of coffee a day to keep my energy levels up because I've heard about what drinking too much caffeine can do and the, the secondary effects of that. It's just, I just want to be a better version of myself. Um, I want to have the energy to do all the things that I want to do. I'm, I'm an ambitious person. I, I always try to pack in so many things into my day, but, but when you're tired, um, you know, I, I feel like I'm just, I'm not as sharp as I'd like to be. And I know myself always worked out my whole life and, and, and tried to eat well, but man, the days where I, I fail at that is when I'm really tired and I have less willpower and I'm more craving 
those sweets and, and I was always, I always had a sweet tooth. I always liked desserts my whole life, but, um, the days that I really don't sleep well are the days that I, I don't stick to my, my plan, uh, on eating well, but the days where I do feel rested, it's like, ah, oh, I don't seem to crave those things at all. You know, I have salad for lunch and I have more energy and I, I, I go for a run, but things tend to snowball. So I, I'm hoping that I could get a more consistently good sleep and really not have my plans derailed because I run out of energy, you know, halfway through the day. And it was funny. I had people ask me when I, cause I seemed so excited when I got diagnosed, which probably sounds strange. Uh, but people are like, really? Like, but you want to go, you want to wear that big Darth Vader mask every night. And I'm like, I don't know. I go, but that's, I, I think there's a mis, misperception of what, you know, what that whole experience is like now. They may be thinking to the years back when people wore these huge, huge masks and there's so many different masks today. And I was actually just talking with the DME provider yesterday. And what I'm going to be getting is this device that, that just goes over my nose. And I think they recommended that because of my beard and mustache and, and things like that. But I mean, it's, it seems very non-invasive. And like I've heard you say so many times, Dan, that like CPAP is not the only treatment option for people. There are, there are so many other devices. I don't know if you could share a little bit about other options. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, there, and again, with a, with a mild to moderate sleep apnea, there are so many choices out there. Um, you know, even just weight loss, even someone that stands to lose a little bit of weight, weight loss can be very helpful about 50, 60% of the time. Um, half the people have some sleep apnea where weight's playing a role. There are also these oral appliances that are placed by our dental colleagues. Now these are dental colleagues that are trained in dental sleep medicine. So they have an understanding of sleep apnea and kind of goals that they're trying to achieve. But there are different devices that either bring the tongue forward or bring the whole jaw forward to kind of open up that airway. Uh, There's even positional therapy. Some people will have sleep apnea in certain positions. I had a patient just a couple of weeks ago who had actually rather significant sleep apnea in terms of the numbers. You know, clinically, uh, she also felt very tired, but you know, we just engaged in positional therapy, meaning that she really only had her sleep apnea when she was on her back. So there are different ways to keep patients from sleeping on their back. And they call it the supine position. So we had her engaged in this positional therapy and she's doing very well. She's noticed that change because you don't, you, you probably don't notice that you're rolling and tossing many times during that. If you stayed in one spot, you'd get a bed sore. But a lot of people become sort of these side back, side back, side sleepers, and we convert them to side front, side front, side front sleepers so they don't spend any time on their back. Because when they're on their back, the tongue, which is the heaviest part of the throat, that tube, will fall back. Just gravity causes that tongue to fall back. So ways to keep that tongue forward, again, whether this positional therapy, there are positional mouthpieces that just pull the tongue forward. There's even, again, this oral appliance. And again, there, there's a whole host of, of treatments. And even if you have very severe sleep apnea, remember I told you at the beginning, the way we used to treat it was with a tracheostomy. That's no longer, you know, even if you have really severe sleep apnea, there are some surgeries that can be very helpful. There's a one that came out called Inspire Therapy or a hypoglossal nerve stimulator. These, the, the hypoglossal nerve is one of the nerves that go to your tongue and it advances your tongue forward um, with each breath that you take with this stimulator. And it's it's really neat how that works and they've proven efficacy with that device. And then we've had a bunch of patients achieve success with that, with severe apnea. So 
without sounding too long-winded, um, it, it's a great treatment option even for patients that can't wear that CPAP device. But I will tell you, most of the time, again, when working with a doctor and working with their home care vendor, we, we figure out the issue. It's not sort of like, oh, I hate CPAP, I'm not going to wear it. We say, you know, like, why specifically? What is the issue? Is it like the air? Is it the mass fitting? Is it too, like, uh, like we talked a little bit about this on our previous episode, like just the relationship, having to wear something to bed, it can affect kind of your sex life even, right? So, you know, these are all things that we talk with patients about and we work through because CPAP is such a great option. Um, and we're going to talk more about treatments in, in upcoming episodes uh, on our podcast, and, and we'll be able to talk more in detail about what all these different treatments are and how they work. And we'll even have a, a podcast on CPAP troubleshooting, you know, sort of patients that are wearing CPAP but having some trouble, but maybe they don't want to get on Ognomi and talk to a doctor, but hopefully our podcast will give them some insight into getting on that CPAP and wearing it a bit better or wearing it more. So getting back to your original question. There's, there's, there are, there are a lot of treatments for that. That is one of the things that I hear so common though, is that people like friends of mine seem to not want to go forward because they, they're just worried about, you know, wearing this big uh, mask with this loud machine next to their bed all the time. And so it's, it's it's trying to tell people that's not always the case. Yeah. And it's it's sort of that, that, that avoidance, right? It's kind of like what you were talking about a little bit, you know, no doctor on Ognomi or really any doctor is going to force you into any treatment or anything. It's just, I think it's important for you to know if you have this disorder, because if it's left untreated, it, it can not only lead to the, the relationship issues and the performance issues and the quality of life issues, but we now know that untreated sleep apnea to certain degrees can increase your risk of heart disease, stroke, diabetes, high blood pressure, glaucoma, I can go on and on. It, it's really, a, it's one of those disorders that you want to know if you have it. And then, you know, you, you can make a decision as an adult, whether you want to treat it and how to treat it. Um, and we help guide you in, in that way. Um, I don't think it's great for people to just avoid diagnoses because they just don't want to know or they're afraid of a treatment. It, it's it's good to have the information and, and, and to, to think about moving forward with some kind of treatment if you do have it. You know, Greg, unfortunately, I mean, obviously we could talk all day, uh, but, you know, we're, we're running out of time, unfortunately, but we'd love to have you back on Agnome, especially after you start your treatment. Uh, we want to hear your story, how you're starting to feel more awake and alert throughout the day. And, you know, one thing I will tell you, when you treat sleep apnea, one of the first things that improves is not so much how you feel first thing in the morning, but you'll notice in the middle of the afternoon, you start to feel like that, that going for that fourth or fifth cup of coffee, you just don't do it. You don't need to. You don't feel that need to kind of put your head to the pillow or something. And, and, and the more you wear your treatment or the more you wear your oral appliance or go through surgery, you know, you'll notice that that alertness kind of works its way back to the morning. So it takes a full six months to get the full benefit of treatment for your sleep apnea. So uh, some people expect this just panacea, you know, just this change in life the first time they wear their treatment. And, and it's just not the case. It's a sequential change for most people. About 20% of people will have this like aha moment. Uh, you know, they're sort of the, the the proselytizer of CPAP or treatment because it just changed their life from the first night they wore it. And everyone expects to have that, but they're the vocal minority. Most people experience this stepwise improvement over time. Uh, so 
Um, you know, I'd love to hear those stories, but it's not always beneficial for other patients to hear because they thought perhaps they should experience that too. But most people do not experience that. They have to stick with their CPAP, for example, and, and they have to wear it regularly. So with that said, again, Greg, thanks. We're going to have you back. Um, I'm sure some, some of the things that Greg talked about resonated with some of our listeners today. And again, thank you for the listeners who listened to our first podcast, or if you didn't listen to it yet, why don't you go back to it? We had some of the top sleep medicine professionals in the country on that talking about interesting experiences they've had with patients. So if you haven't heard it yet, go back and listen to it, especially all of Greg's friends that just listened to this one, but, you know, go back and listen to the first one. But again, thank you, everybody. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. Reach out to us on our social media or go to ognomi.com. That's O-G-N-O-M-Y.com. And we'd be happy to answer any of your questions. Great. Greg, before we go, is there anything else that you'd like to, to tell the, the, our listeners today? Yeah. I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and the host had asked the, uh, the question of, you know, it, when you think of a punchable face, who do you think of? What comes to your mind? And I thought of myself uh, because here I was, I spent years and years and years suffering from sleep problems. Uh, I never got tested uh, for sleep apnea and I had a family member who had it. So I was aware of what it was. Uh, and then here I am working for Agnomi for months before I actually got my home sleep test. And I was tired so many days waking up tired and drinking coffee all day and I still didn't do it. So when I think of a, a punchable face, in this case, it's certainly me. So for any, anyone else out there, my advice is if you think you have it, uh, you know, it's so easy to get tested. Yeah. Well, for those of you that are listening and don't see any video, you'll notice that his face is not that punchable. So <laughs> no, that, that, you, that's man. a great story, Greg. Thanks. Thank you. Until next time, this is the end of our episode of Counting Sheba. Talk to you soon. Bye.